Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Endometriosis is something, if you're a regular listener to this programme over the past year, you'll know that we've spoken about it extensively on the show, um, hearing many, many stories from women affected by the condition right across the country. And this week, Senator Lynn Ruan and other female colleagues have gotten contact. They've written to the Arachthus Health Committee in the Department of Health and they want them to take leadership on the issue and to try and better help those affected with it. But Senator Lynn Ruan is uh, is on the line today. Lynn, to talk about your own experience, actually, with yes. the condition. Um, well, when did you first start experiencing this? Um, it's hard. It's hard to know because I always experienced pain. Um, what felt like a more extreme pain to many of you know the people around me in terms of period pain. But at the time, being a teenager, I would have just felt that you know that some people get really, really bad uh, pain around that time, and others, you know, more manageable, and that mm. it just varies. So I, I, I don't really know if it started like very early on, but I suppose. I had my daughter quite young as well, which meant that I had kind of been introduced to gynecology maybe at a younger age than some, which I think was probably helpful in the long run because that's how they found a number of different things over the years because I was involved, you know, because I was receiving maternity care um, at a young age. So the pain has always been there, but it was in my early 20s after a number of different um, appointments, some for cysts on my ovaries, some for precancerous cells and then the pain just persisted and persisted even when that stuff seemed to have been under control. So I wouldn't have heard of endometriosis but it was actually the gynecologist and the team in Tala that told me um, that they think I may have endometriosis just because of all the different symptoms that I was explaining, the pain that I'd experienced for years. So I think unlike many other women in this scenario, um, I was very lucky that um, I think I was I, I was quite young and it meant that I got treated, which I think is why I'm kind of mm. speaking up about it now, is that that early prevention can be helpful, you know, so not putting women off for years and years, leaving women in pain for years and years. And I was in my early 20s when I got treated, where some women are in their 30s and 40s and still trying to access care and treatment in relation to endometriosis. And you'd wonder as well, in if a lot of that, you know, in terms of the diagnosis that you received and, and the subsequent yeah. treatment, did that come about because you were in the gynae system. You yes, were under the watch the of yeah, gynecologists. Exactly. Because and I think that that's why I'm, I, I, I'm one of the lucky ones that just happened to be in that care at the time. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if I had to try and, you know, get to that position yeah. where, there was actually, where I was actually receiving gynae care. Yeah. Before you were in the, the Houses of Power, um, can you give us an insight into the, the day-to-day impact of this on your life? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it was... Um, probably about 60% of the month you would I would be at different varying levels of of pain um I still receive I still have a lot of pain now but it's definitely not as debilitating and you know it doesn't get in the way of me say going to work and stuff but previously um whether it be um sexual intercourse whether it would be sport whether it would be you know just even resting or even if I go out for long walks my ovaries and everything in my pelvic floor begins to get some pain in it but after the treatment, that all became much more of a dull pain, like a dull, consistent pain, rather than a pain that was kind of making me have to stay at home mm. or not go to work or not engage in my sports. So that's what's changed over the years between before treatment and after treatment is I'm much more active, I suppose, in my life. And I was able to get the Marina Kyle, 
what and that actually helped me and it um different contraception don't help all women that that's the thing as well each woman's response is so different you know so the care is very relative but i responded quite well to the marina coil so now even though um, the pain is not as excruciating as it was when I was in my 20s. There is still pain and I would struggle a lot with issues with pain in my pelvis. And then also um, I would have some long term effects to my bells because I think that's where at the time they re- removed most of the cells from. OK, the treatment itself is the marina coil. Was, was that the treatment that you were given or was it more invasive than it that? Was, it was suggested. So I did receive keyhole surgery and incision and have cells lasered from from okay. um different areas um yeah i had three different uh, insertions um and i haven't had to have a second one i mean i think why i'm speaking out about this now and just to say that the, the letter still hasn't gone to the health committee we're just finalizing some of the um some of the detail in it just to make sure everything is covered and um, just because you mentioned that at the start um but the the reason why i'm speaking about this now andrea is i went to a screening of below the belt the documentary yes and when I, I was on the panel for that and I think up till now I kind of I knew it was such a big issue but as, you know as a politician you're constantly sh- I feel that a lot of the stuff I work on is very close to my personal lived reality Experience, and I think yeah. at some level I was ignoring the endometriosis piece because I was like emotionally I can't take on another fight that's so close to something I've experienced mm-hmm. but when I was in the room that night the women that are in that room and the work that has been done so far by by other politicians and also by activists and by healthcare workers, I couldn't ignore it anymore. There was women in that room that have had 17 surgeries, you know, that have, you know, become infertile or Afira coming becoming infertile. And I just thought I've been so incredibly lucky that I've been able to manage this disease and I can't really ignore the pain and suffering and inequality, I suppose, that I experience in the room in terms of other women access and healthcare. And I think that's what kind of made me go, I have to actually, you know, I have to kind of put my name to it and, and call it out, you know. One of the things that we've talked about this, Lynn, here on, on, on Lunchtime Live for months, I'd say at this stage, various different women's stories. Um, and one of the things, the issues that constantly comes up from people is the not being believed. They're going into yeah. the doctor or into the, referred to the gynae or referred to, you know, consultant mm. uh, and being told, you know, you've just got extreme bad period pain. Take, you know, yeah. a kind of an over-the-counter painkiller and get a hot water bottle and this sort of stuff. And people, and, and the distress that comes with not being believed. Is that something you experienced? It, 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 thankfully, I, I I didn't experience it initially. Um, I mean, I did keep saying, there was a number of years where I kept saying I was in pain, you know, and I was put on the pill, but I didn't know I was searching for for a diagnosis. So even I had internalised that message and that it's just a bad period and I was looking for a solution to a bad period rather than even doctors being able to suggest that there might be something more there, you know. But I know for all the women that have got in contact with me, like not being believed and having to, like the the effect on women's mental health. I mean, I've Mm. had a lot of emails over the last week or so and especially since I spoke at at the documentary and the amount of women that have ended up needing care for their mental and, and emotional well-being after having to constantly, constantly advocate um, with doctors. And I think that shows the lack of education and understanding in relation to women's health care in Ireland and in relation to especially this idea around periods. But I even find that I've been guilty of it myself. Like when if my daughter's experienced a really, really bad period, you nearly almost go yourself, oh, well, I get your paracetamol and never do the further investigation because I too didn't even know that this was a genetic disease until relatively recently. 
So I think as a society, as well as within the health system, we have kind of dismissed uh, women's health care so much that even women can't identify that there's something wrong because we've internalised okay. that idea that it's just a bad period. And I think we need a full wide scale level of education, both in schools in terms of young girls, because teenagers can have endometriosis and that's when it can mm. begin. So I think from society, right to demanding that doctors do better and to listen to women and to make those referrals. And I know that the Minister, uh, Stephen Donnelly, has introduced clinics in relation to this, but they need to be implemented countrywide. Yeah. And to be fair, know, there is and, a unit that was introduced in actually at, yes. at Tala Hospital, specifically yes. now focusing on on endometriosis. But um, totally. yeah. as it you mentioned, be, something it needs, needs to be, to be in the country. Yeah. I, I mentioned at the start of the show, for anybody dealing with endometriosis who maybe wants to share their own experience with us today, perhaps in, in listening to you, uh, Lynn, um, it might inspire others to, you know, talk or, or, or share their own experience. If you want to give us a call, you can do so with 1800 Four five three one zero six. Stay with us, Lynn, if you don't mind, because Patricia has got in touch. Um, Patricia, what's your experience? I was diagnosed in nineteen eighty six, but prior to that, obviously, uh, would have had my period for the first time when I was ten. Um, I experienced a lot of fatigue, fainting, um, and, and I suppose at ten years of age, you know, people didn't understand. Um, when I was coming up to junior cert, um, I fainted quite a lot in school before I would get a period. And I had a DNC done in 1981, um, told to go home. And when you're, you're married, you know, you'll have children and everything will be resolved. Then in 1983, I had another DNC that also led to, um, Another operation, which was a pre-cycle neurectomy. Now, that operation uh, doesn't take place anymore. And that was cutting the nerves of the womb um, so that you wouldn't have any contractions. And uh, the gynecologist at the time said, you'll have no difficulty. Baby will slip out and you won't have pain anymore. But as a result of that, that led to further complications like scar tissue in the bowel and in the bladder and in the stomach. And I suppose I was 17 years of age at that stage, told I would have uh, an appendicectomy scar, ended up with a scar that was maybe six inches right the way down the centre of the tummy. And uh, was very, very upsetting. And like as Lynn said, you know, you're you're young, you're dealing with kind of an awful lot of emotions, meeting uh, people, getting into relationships. It's very, very awkward. And with endometriosis, it does affect relationships, you know, you know, short term, short term and long term. It does affect, you know, intimacy. And it is something that needs to be addressed at school level um, because not every young girl would just have a period for three days. You know, with endometriosis, you can experience um, pain and contractions for possibly 10 days before you actually pass anything. So um, your body is, you know, experienced contractions that normally um, somebody would have if they were delivering a baby. And you're trying to get on with normal life. If you're in school, you're Mm. trying to concentrate. Um, Quite often I felt, uh, you know, outer body experiences and would, you know, faint, uh, was put on the bus home and had experiences of vomiting on the bus stopping the bus, everybody else having to get off and get on another bus. Um, But I worked in healthcare um, later on in life and 
you know, from working with doctors, obviously I learned a lot as well. Um, I would have collapsed quite a lot in front of them. And the experience that, you know, I, I learned from that is that aspirin will help with the inflammation. So if you take aspirin first and then, you know, maybe four to six hours later, take paracetamol to to uh, help alleviate the pain. But the aspirin would deal with the, um, you know, the, the inflammation that would occur from the contractions. Okay, so and that's that what you, in your, yeah. yeah. And and Patricia, like you had an, an awful, awful time of it, an awful experience with it. Like in, in getting then the diagnosis and, you know, in, in, in later years, did things, did it ease? Did, has it stayed as persistent no. or? It stayed persistent right through that, Every now and again, when I'd have a bad flare-up, obviously I'd have to have a laparoscopy done. So much so that I went for an ablation of the the womb where they took the lining of the womb away. Now, like Lynn, I have some marina coil in, uh, but now I'm going through menopause. And you, but you would still have a sensation as though you were having a period every month. You would still have a couple of contractions even at this stage in life. And I'm in my 50s, you know, and it is genetic. Um, my my two daughters who are growing up, one is 30, one is 25. They have gone through similar experiences. Have they, Patricia? Yeah, so it's... they've had, you know, obviously laparoscopies. And one of my daughters has had a baby recently and she's lucky to have a baby because they told her there was a very short window of opportunity there, you know. Isn't it Madeline, you know, in listening to Patricia and Patricia's story that like from what the early 1980s, Patricia, that really nothing Lynn has moved mm. on. You know, I nothing so, has like, moved. I mean, I th- no, I think it's great that we're having the conversations. But the fact is that there's there's absolutely thousands of women in Ireland that don't even have a diagnosis. And then there's thousands more that have never even heard of endometriosis and are suffering at home without ever even going back to a doctor. And that's where we're at. Like, we're absolutely decades behind in terms of providing adequate care to, to women. I mean, and to just, like, thinking of that scar tissue, like, I mean, women will carry that scar tissue forever and experience pain with that forever, even after surgery. And, you know, to think that we don't have a dedicated clinic in every single county, you know, or several in the big counties for women to be able to access proper care it, it, it's a complete failure, you know. Well, I, I had a, a, a lady contacted this show um, when we were first talking about this a number of months back. And I, I think from from memory, she was either from Wicklow or Wexford. And she told me she's nine years waiting to get an appointment uh, for a referral appointment. She's been to the GP. She's been referred to a consultant. And she's nine years and still hasn't seen yeah. anybody. Like, that's just yeah. unbelievable. And I always remember it, it. I remember her saying it that day on the show because it's it just seemed so unbelievable that somebody could be waiting nine years in this day and age to go and see a consultant. Exactly. But and can you imagine then if you add on to the other end of that, how long was she asked to be suffering for before somebody would even make the referral? I know. So, I mean, that nine yeah. years is only a drop in the ocean in comparison to what women are actually dealing with in terms of actually receiving care. You know, and there's nowhere for under 18s. If you're an under 18 um, trying to get care and try to get a doctor listen to you in relation to, you know, your reproductive system, it's going to be really difficult. Were you, Patricia, when you're when you, you know, you were talking to your two daughters about this and I suppose mindful of, of your own experience and then looking at the two girls, you know, starting on this journey and the experience that they had. Um, what was it like for them in terms of trying to get a diagnosis or to, to get access to somebody to speak to somebody? 
Do they have long well, waiting again, times? Again, you know, you would go to a GP and it was kind of, you know, oh, it's just a bad period. Um, you know, go home and feel sorry for yourself. Um, but because I had experienced so much um, and I, my my parents would have gone down the private route, um, getting private consultations for me because, you know, there was there was no public um, consultation out there. And you were talking about back in the 70s, 80s, where, you know, people were struggling money wise. But my parents made sure that mm. I went private. And I did the same with both my daughters um, and found a good gynecologist who would specialize in endometriosis. Mm. And the, basically, I've gone through maybe seven or eight different consultants who a good lot of them now have passed on. But I found a very good um, gynecologist in Blackrock Clinic, Dr. Nikki Kroon, who understood the condition. Mm. And she's South African and she was for women's rights. Um, so she would purely, you know, deal with, with endometriosis. Okay. Um, so my girls went to her also. And you would try and avoid as many surgeries as possible. Go yeah. down the route of obviously trying the the pill and um, quite a lot of the time the pill doesn't work um, people would have you know kind of intermittent bleeding or nausea and vomiting from various pills um, so the marina um, coil, coil seems yeah. to be you know the positive way of doing things a lot of people uh, right are prescribed that or yes, you know than, that in the early, in the in the early stage for sure um, yes, rather than you know, having surgical intervention surgery, again, has its own, um, you know, side effects. Yeah, on risks, absolutely. Uh, Senator Lynn Ruan, I mean, one of the, I suppose, if you want to call it the the fortunate things in a way about this is that there's definitely cross-party support for this because Mm. I know in our efforts in in talking about this on the show, we've had um, uh, Sinn Féin's Louise O'Reilly has been in with us here on Lunchtime Live. She shared her own experience with endometriosis. I've talked to um, Fianna Fáil's Lisa Chambers. She she and her sister both joined us here on the show. So, So there's definitely a movement uh, beyond politics in, in all of this and there yet is. we're a year on and like we're, we're not really a huge amount further on No there's not a huge amount further on I mean like right at the moment there's women online trying to fundraise to go abroad and continue to go abroad and I think we need to consider the class issue in that as well because like right now I would be able to you know support my daughters to go private and stuff if they needed to pursue healthcare but there's so many women that will never be able to afford. So right now we're still outsourcing healthcare to other countries, uh, but we're not even financially supporting women to do so. So then we end up with a two and three tiered system where women that can actually afford to be able to address these issues will. They shouldn't have to. Nobody should have to travel or nobody should have to pay privately. We should be able to access it. But then you're going to have whole swathes of women from minority groups, um, trans women or trans men, lots of different uh, people who need access to healthcare and won't be able to get it because they okay. won't be able to afford it. Well, you're going you to know? you're sending this letter. I know you're. That, that's the plan is to yeah. uh, definalise it and send it. And, and look, we'll, yeah. I suppose we'll, we'll we'll wait and see what if anything comes from that. Yeah. But uh, Senator Lynn Moran, listen, thank you for for sharing your experience with us here on the program today, and Patricia as well. Listen, Patricia, thanks for for getting in touch. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.